Hey everyone, welcome to Dance Colleges and Careers. The podcast created for dancers from small towns as a resource to help you learn about different dance programs and how this degree can be applied in the real world. Hey, I'm Brittany Noltemeyer and I'm from a small town in North Dakota. My senior year of high school, I traveled and auditioned at 13 different schools. Quite frankly, most of it was a waste because there was only one clear answer for me. So I'm here to save you all that time, money, and stress I didn't save myself. Follow the link in our bio to join the Dance Colleges and Careers community. Live without limits. Hello, everybody. Hi, we have Diana Brooks with us today, and she was actually one of my tap professors in college. Hi, Diana. Hello. Hi. Okay, so Diana was a tap company member of Rhythm Is. Mad Rhythms and BAM in Chicago for many years after she graduated from college. And she performed in regional theater shows like Singing in the Rain and Babes, Singing in the Rain and Babes in Toyland. So Diana is a real tapper, but she can do it all. (laughs) She switched her focus to teaching and she was a professor at OCU, Oklahoma City University, for eight years and then moved to New York City, where she taught at Pace University and Broadway Dance Center. Yeah. So, Diana, where do you live now? I live in Lincoln, Nebraska. Lincoln. Yes, which is a change. Yeah. Are you from there? I'm not from here. My husband's from here. Okay. So he got a job here, and we just decided to take it our next move and come here and see what it was like. Awesome. Well, we're going to talk about tapping at the collegiate level today because you were a tap professor at OCU and also at Pace. Yes. Uh, Yes. I was an adjunct at Pace. Okay. Have you always been a tapper? Like, has that always been your main thing or did you grow into that? Mainly, yes. I loved tap all along and I was one of those people that like my mom had to force me to um, get my ballet tights on and, you know, go to the mm-hmm. studio, um, almost quit ballet like 12 million times and then realized I needed it. Um, but yeah, tap was my favorite all along, but I always knew how important all the other styles were, um, mm-hmm. to help me along, um, in case, you know, something fell through with the tap. Yeah. So did you grow up always wanting to go into a tap company or tap shows or perform? I didn't. So I'm from a small town. I'm from Midland, Texas, which is in West Texas. And I didn't have very many like opportunities to go and see what was out there. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, it was all back then it was all like movies, rewind, fast forward, rewind, learn combos, learn dances. Mm -hmm. Um, and like once a year we would travel to Dallas and go to a a convention, which was usually like mostly just a convention with maybe like, you know, we do one dance for a competition or something. I grew up on Al Gilbert records, um, which is, you know, you're learning. He's like, his voice is on the record and he's like, shuffle 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 and you know some people love it and some people are like oh my gosh but I I learned everything that I needed for like at least like the basics from that right Mm -hmm. so then when I went further on I knew the steps I just needed to learn new things that went with it Um, but I always knew I wanted like my goal was kind of like Broadway because that's just what everybody was told like I think or like (laughs) that's what you 
think is like the best of everything, which I agree. Mm-hmm. I still love Broadway and I want to, I want to go to every show ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I discovered a different style of tap, I kind of started, that's when I started leaning towards tap company. So I grew up doing like more music theater, Broadway style tap. Okay. And then at OCU, that's the same. Like at OCU now they have rhythm tap, but back then it was just more Broadway based. Yeah. Like and then classic tap. Yeah, super classic, traditional, you know, arms and everything, flashy, Mm -hmm. um, which I love. I don't think, like, since I moved into Rhythm Tap when I moved, so the summer before my junior and senior year, I moved to Chicago over the summer, and I started um, taking tap classes there, and it was, like, so different. Nobody counted. I Mm -hmm. asked in one class, my first class I took, I asked if she could count something for me, and she literally looked at me and was like, no, and I was like, (laughs) oh. Oh, don't ask that again. So I would have to record myself doing the combo over and over again and then listen to it and put counts to it. This sounds so silly, but I was it's so different than how I was trained. And mm-hmm. then I could start hearing the rhythms. So once I found that kind of style that was way more challenging for me, not that the other style is not challenging, it's, it is, but this was just different. So mm-hmm. I was using different parts of my foot and just, it was a challenge. I went back to see my senior year and was like, I'm moving to Chicago. And that's when tap companies were like, that's what I want to do. And if I'll stay in Chicago for a couple of years and then I'll move to New York kind of was a mm-hmm. thing that I thought I would do. Cool. But I kind of fell in love with Chicago and that was where I found my love for dance even more and where my teaching kind of started blooming. Cool. Cool. Um, I don't know the tap companies in Chicago very well. Like, are they still there? Is it still a big scene? Is that still a hot spot to go to? Yeah. Well, it's funny because like, you know, I still look over and see who's still there and all the uh, people now that were in the companies that I was in companies with have moved on to other things, but there's also people that still like Mad Rhythms is definitely still there. They now have their own like space and he teaches like it's, he teaches kids that like don't necessarily always have the funding to do things. Um, and he gets these, he teaches like, um, this is Brill Barrett. He teaches, um, history. I mean, he, he, he motivates, he's a very motivating guy. Um, he still has Mad Rhythms. I think I've taken workshops from Brill or maybe he came to OCU. Yeah, and I feel like you might've been, he he might've come to Oklahoma once and there was a whole group of people that went and taught, took at this one studio downtown. I feel like I'm not sure mm. if you were there, but there was like 10 of us that went, but he's, he's wonderful, but he still has mad rhythms. Do you, do yeah. you, what's that acronym stand for? Making a difference dancing. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, basically the kids that danced in mad rhythms when I was in my twenties, they were super young that I was dancing with that were amazing now have their own companies. Do you know what I mean? And are doing their mm-hmm. own things there, which is great. I mean, I don't know all the different names of all the companies that are there, but it, there's always companies there dancing. People are creating, which is amazing. Um, a lot of tap has to do with basically self-producing shows because there's not a lot of funding that goes along with it. Chicago Tap Theater is still there. Mark Yonley is the artistic director of that group. And he and his wife run that company. And his wife is also an Oklahoma City University graduate. Yeah. And Mark Yonley taught at OCU for a semester. Um, rhythm Tap, I think, when they were first starting to get Rhythm Tap at OCU. And he has several OCU dancers in his company now because he, um, I, his is 
very, his company is very story driven tap. So it's not music theater, but it's, it is because it's story driven, Mm -hmm. but it's rhythm tap. You know what I mean? And music theater can be anything as long as you're telling a story. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I look at it. And they have, they have musicians and they have folk and word artists and they do shows and they, I know work really hard because they also have several management graduates from OCU that they work on getting grants and being funded and paying their dancers, um, even if it's not a lot, you know, and they travel too. They go um, to France and things like that and do like partner work with like shared work with people. And then they come to Chicago, but he's been around forever too there and the company just keeps growing. So those are the, like, you know, the two that were there when I was there a long time ago, like in the 2000s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. and are still there now, which is great. And the other ones, you know, Rhythm is um, stopped. Basically, you know, it was a really small group. It was all female tap company, one of the first all female tap companies. Ah. And um, everybody kind of went their own way on that because everybody was starting to do their own individual stuff. And that's what happens. I think after a while, people are in companies and then they start doing solo work or um, more teaching, master classes, and then the company kind of, you know, it, it's not like it just ends. It's just other people, they're doing other things. And that's the cool thing. You're creating this company and now you're creating individuals, which can go out there and do their own thing, which is great. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Now, is there, is there any money in, in the tap world? Like if you, are you striving for a paycheck as a tap dancer? My experience, and I can tell you several people's experience, but my experience was we we're able to make my company, our company rhythm is into a nonprofit 501c3. So we were able to get, you know, donations and get jobs that, you know, paid well, but they weren't always for um, performances like that you would think they would be like going into schools and doing like history lessons and tapping a little bit for them. Um, And then you do shows and you get paid, but it's like, you know, it's going to cover all the costs of rehearsals and things like that. It's not big money. The sure. money, that's why people end up doing so much individual stuff because you can get paid more for master classes and going out individually. Mm-hmm. Um, you do, I mean, there are lots of companies out there that can make lots of money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's it's a lot of um, hustle, yeah, yeah, to get out there because there's a lot of companies in Chicago and like, there's so much work. There's only so much work, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The good thing is usually everybody's pretty friendly with each other. So even if it's competitive situation, it's not anger that someone else got the job or something like that. Um, But it is like you want to be getting to a point where you teach at festivals, tap festivals, and do performances at those because that's where you're going to make more of the money. Several self-produced shows and we're able to pay everybody. But that was because we were lucky enough to get an audience in, you know, like some (laughs) people might do that. And fingers crossed that you get sell out, you know, Um, because if not, you're in debt and paying that off. And that (laughs) happens sometimes, you know, and then you try again. But that's why I did regional theater and a lot of teaching at the same time, because the tap companies were my passion Mm -hmm. at that time. And then the other things were kind of what paid me more. Right. Um, So I don't want to say there's not a lot of money in it. It's how much work you put into it and how much you know, just like anything, you know, there's all the auditions and then the one job and, you know, but you're working as a group and you have to have someone that's a manager of that company. That's really pushing to get you in places, you know, because if not, you're just going to be rehearsing 
<laughs> for hopefully something. And we and the rehearsals in a, any kind of company dance, that rehearsal process is what you're going to be doing most of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to really love it. That's why I love Chicago because everyone dancing there loves dance. Like it's not like they're just waiting for their one like meal ticket right. to like, and not, I'm saying that any other city is just that way, but this is like, well, you know, I'm, I might not get paid that much for this job, but wow, this is great choreography. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're paying me what they can because right. I don't want to do things for free. Right. Right. But, but I know they're giving me what they can, which I understand that, yeah. you know? Um, but that was, it was just great because I got to feel like basically I was at the top of my game at that point in Chicago, because I learned so much from every single person that I danced with that I never thought I would be that kind of a tapper now, like that I'm teaching. I'm not as much of a tapper if you know what I mean? Like I'm not doing all those tricks and doing all the things as much anymore. So Mm -hmm. like I look back at what I did and I was like, Ooh, I need to start doing that working out a little bit more again, because, you know, you're just constantly with people that are so good that you're like, I gotta, I gotta work. Right. They push you you. and you learn from them as opposed to being the teacher. Exactly. Yeah. And you have face, everybody has a tap board in their little apartment and everybody's working everybody's. So if you don't do the same, you you just fall behind, you know? Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So let's back up to like, let's say 18 year olds who are looking at going to college. Let's talk about beginner dancers, not beginner dancers, beginner tap dancers. Okay. Big competition dancers, but maybe are terrified of going to the tap audition. Yes. Uh, What's your advice for those very beginners or maybe have never tapped before, but still love the program at OCU or a program that has great tapping? I don't know the other ones other than Pace and OCU. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's, uh, there's more that have tap, but I would say it's not as, you know, some of them aren't as um, structured, you know, there's like a beginning class and advanced class, which is still great just to have any mm-hmm. tap, I think. Mm-hmm. But, um, cause I know Columbia's working on having a good tap program. Okay. I will say not a tap program. They have Mick with their dance program or with their music theater program. They have great tap teachers that come in and teach the music theater people and then dancers to tap because it's not like it's its own like separate thing. But, sure. um, so for something like anyone that wants to go into a program and there's tap and they're scared of it, the best thing you can do is not let that make you think you're not going to get into the program. College is to get better, right? Like if you already go in and are the top of everything, I kind of almost go like, besides learning like to be um, more, more like on top of things, like with, you Mature, know, maybe. your life, maturity and things mm-hmm. like that, you know, what was, what's the point kind of, cause you're already there. But if you have something that you're not that great at, then you need to go in there and you need to put a smile on your face and like run around smiling and <laughs> go the right direction. When they tell you to go the right, go forward when you're supposed to go forward and show that you're willing to learn. Cause that's the most important part of a like university or college is that they're, they want the right personality. They want to see that you have, I mean, you have to be pretty talented at at least one of the styles, right? Right. If not two, right. Um, to be able to get in, but they're, most of them are not going to just go, Oh, well, they're not perfect and all, you know, ballet tap and jazz. So we're not gonna let them in. So, I mean, I, everywhere I've taught university wise, um, there are tap, there are, people that come into my tap class on the first day and never have had tap. 
you know, at OCU, there's like 10 levels of tap. So then that person feels better because they go into a group of people that are all learning their basics. So you get to start from scratch. And then, I mean, I don't know how many people I knew at OCU that started at the basic level and graduated at the highest. Yeah. I mean, there's several. That's harder to do in ballet. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's hard. Mm -hmm. And tap, like you can get there. I think what it is, is I mean, confidence in tap is everything because you have to see and hear yourself. It's the same thing as singing. Like, you know, I always say you're going to hit the wrong note. Don't start crying when you hit the wrong note. Just try to figure out, let your voice teacher tell you what you did wrong so you can fix it the next time. Yeah. Don't pull away because you're scared of the high note. You know what I mean? It's because a lot of times I hear like people like doing something and they get quiet, real quiet on a certain part. And I'm like, no, like yell at me with your feet, be wrong, big, so we can fix you and make you better faster. Mm Mm-hmm. At Pace, there were several people that were amazing at like contemporary and hip hop and ballet, um, never tapped before, haven't tapped since they were four, right? And they only have really two levels. They have like more of a beginner and advanced thing there. And the beginners range, you know, from beginner to almost advanced because they're not ready for the advanced class. So it is a push, but that also can push them faster too, because they don't want to be the only one behind. Right. What I noticed with those dancers is that they will go on their own and take more tap classes in the city because they're in New York. So if there's only two levels of classes and you feel like you need to get caught up, go take some more classes. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And work your own, like make your own destiny basically. Right. Right. So they, they will go, they don't usually go, Oh, well, tap's not my thing. I'll just leave it alone. Mm -hmm. You know, they still usually push to get better because that's how dancers are. (laughs) I mean, dancers are just that way and they don't want to not be good at something. Um, it might not become naturally to you, but you want to at least get to like an intermediate level. Mm -hmm. Right. So you can like make it through like a basic audition. Yeah. Get past the embarrassing place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like do it in comfortable place before it's scary. But like my main advice for anyone that doesn't feel good about their tap skills or has never even tapped is just attitude. When you walk into those doors, be open and be um, happy that you're in there. Don't show this isn't my style. They know and you know. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's very (laughs) obvious. But they also have seen you in other styles too. Yeah. Right. So just shine with your technique and everything else and all your styles that you're comfortable with and then shine with your personality and dedication and the others. And you have a really good chance of still getting in the program you want to get into. Awesome. Because, you know, you've got to, you've got to start somewhere with, with everything. So cool. Yeah. We've talked about OCU and PACE. You've taught at both of those. Mm -hmm. Do you know other, and Columbia, they're starting to build more, at least bringing in more tap teachers. Do you know other places? I mean, I mean, even here, like, it's funny, like in Lincoln, we have a school, it's called Westland. Okay. Um, And it's all, it's, they don't have a dance program, but they have a music theater program. And they now have a pretty good dance uh, teach. Well, they have an amazing dance teacher. That's one of my best friends from OCU um, that is now working the dance uh, program of the music theater department there. And now they have jazz ballet and tap, which is awesome. Now they have also two levels of tap and it's uh, music theater people. And they're, you know, great at singing and acting and, but they, um, tend to pick up tap very easily because of their musicality. 
um, which is great, right? Um, there's, I mean, I don't, I can't be very specific, honestly, about the programs that are new that are out there that have TAP. I know that people are more open to it now and at least get in, um, like guest artists that come in at least teach for the tappers, um, or they at least do, um, like for those tappers, like they'll do at least some choreography for their show for the ones that do tap. Mm -hmm. Um, but it used to be, I mean, OCU was the only place, like when I was going to school a long time ago, looking for a place, it was the only place that did tap. Mm -hmm. So was that Um, like the the main choice for you, like the main decision making factor for you? Yeah, because I went to several other colleges and like took classes. Um, they let you go in and kind of like sample out classes to see if you want to audition. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> they were all ballet classes, which is lovely. I wanted to take ballet too. But I was like, I don't think I can only do ballet modern. And I'm not a modern dancer at all. Like, man, I took some modern in in, um, <laughs> in Chicago and that's real modern, yeah. right? <laughs> I go into a class and they tell you to walk across the floor and the style and I think I'm like knocking it out and then I get placed in like basic level modern because I don't even know how to walk right do you know what I mean because there's like so much technique base to that that I don't know at all so I would never say I knew that so I know I could have gone into a program like that and learned it it just I didn't see myself happy doing that five days a week Right, it wasn't your passion so I didn't audition for anywhere but OCU and it was basically like fingers crossed because if not I need to late audition everywhere else and try to find something sure because I was always I mean from Texas so I was looking at other Texas school there's no way my parents were going to let me go like to New York you know right away some people are ready to do that stuff I was not being from a smaller town I wouldn't have known anything of what to do. So, um, but there are, I mean, I think the main thing is, is to like get online and like, you know, Google all the schools and and you can see what they offer. And then like email the like deans and the, you know, heads of departments and be like specifically ask specific questions on the tap. Like if they say there's tap, how much is there? Is that one semester, my whole four years, or is that every Every year I get a semester of it, you know, I just always say like, don't, I mean, they advertise everything that they do, but they don't tell you exactly how much you get it. So you want to, I think it's so important to fit in the program that you go to. Like some people are like, well, this is the school to go to, but if that doesn't fit your personality and you, that's not your school because you're not going to do your best there. You know what I mean? Like there's plenty of people that go in to a school for one year and decide it's not for me and they go away. That's not to me a failure or a bad thing. That's they've figured, they've figured themselves out Mm -hmm. and they found either another school to go to for dance or they don't even want to dance. Do you know what I mean? Because you realize how hardcore it is once you get into a school. Yeah. And are you willing to work that hard all your life or would you rather do something else? Do you know? And that's okay too. And keep dance in your life some other way. But that's, I mean, I always think you really, you have to visit the campus. You need to go to the audition. You need to ask questions, lots of questions, because I mean, you're, you're basically deciding if you're going to give your money to these people. So you should like it. It's a lot of money (laughs) (laughs) to invest in college. It is. So like it. Yeah. So a lot of people, say, you know, tap is going away. We don't see as much tap. And 
competition, in school, in the real world, anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. like, do you kind of agree with that? Or do you, are people just not looking in the right place? No, that's a good question. The um, tap never goes away. It sometimes goes underground for a while because tappers never stop tapping. Tappers not never stop creating and they never stop um, coming up with ideas and producing and trying to get other people to produce their stuff. It's just having the right thing at the right time. But tap might not be in the eye of everyone, but like say those pop-up classes and things like that, like those are everywhere in New York. You just have to know where to look. Like Dormisha teaches classes at this little small studio that she rents out and like hundred people show up. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's amazing. Um, it's not always just at the main studios in New York where you look for it. You've got to find the tappers that are out there doing things, um, hustling and working and, you know, Instagram, like mm-hmm. follow them. Cause that's where they, and Facebook, because that's where they advertise those pop-up classes. And if you want to keep things going, if you're not liking other things, classes elsewhere, and you're like, oh my gosh, this person's amazing. And they're doing work. Like they're actually make, creating their own work. I need to get in their class. Because a lot of times with TAP, you can get discovered just in class. Do you know what I mean? Like my first company I ever, ever was in, I never auditioned for. I just went to this woman's TAP class and she asked me after a while if I wanted to start coming to rehearsals as like an apprentice. Okay. Yeah. So I apprenticed with a bunch of uh, like 13 and 14 year olds, which (laughs) to me was super, super humbling, Um, but very good for me. Cause I was like, wow, well, these dancers have been doing this style all their lives. You know what I mean? So after about a year, I got into the company. Um, So go to those classes, like find those people that are doing those pop-up classes and go to them. Also, it is hard because like even at studios, people decide what classes they're going to take that year based off of what they see. So if they don't see a lot on TV or if they don't see a lot on Broadway or shows that are happening, they're not into the tap stuff, right? Because tap is always like you either like have like a little handful of people that love it and then and little kids always love it too Mm -hmm. and then that middle age they start dropping Mm -hmm. right so for me the key is to keep it like fun it just gets so like um specific and detailed Mm -hmm. that sometimes if you don't have the right personality people think that that's boring but to me it's like so cool Mm -hmm. um to like dissect things and try to figure it out but I would say like tap is never dying but it's very much does make kids think that if it's not on in front of them, that why, what's the point of doing it? Um, yeah. And like at, at competitions, when I judge and stuff, you, you don't see many top pieces. And like, when you see like a classic traditional piece, those dances usually do really well because their judges are like, Oh, this is so nice. Right. We've seen, they do good. You see 500 contemporary dances and you get like five tap numbers and you get excited now not all the tap numbers are good and that's okay just like not all the contemporary numbers are good right but there's just a lot more of them right so i think people think that tap doesn't win and they don't want to do it the fact is good tap wins good contemporary wins good ballet wins good music theater wins so you actually have to have the good (laughs) tap for it to win. Yeah. So, and there's also, I mean, some studios don't even do tap because they don't have a tap teacher in their small town. Mm -hmm. So what, 
what do you do then? Like, that's not their fault necessarily, right? right? There's no one in that town to teach. So they're like, why is it important if we don't have it? You know, so there's all these things that go into it. Like, they just don't think sometimes that it's cool or, or that it's needed. And then they get into some the real world. And, you know, I always told OCU dancers that were ballet dancers or anything else, like, they got to a certain level of tap, and they were like, oof, I don't think I'm ever doing this again. And then I'd get an email like their first job was like white Christmas or something like that mm-hmm. tapping around. And I was like, I told you it's important, you know, and even making yourself to an intermediate level tapper makes you look really good to people that don't know how to do anything but a time step. Right. You know, so I just think there's so many like online options now mm-hmm. to take classes, especially during COVID. Yeah. So like get your <laughs> Before you go to audition, if you're scared because you don't know any tap, I always am like shocked that people didn't even like try to learn some basics. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not mad at them because maybe they don't have the resources to do it, but I'm always surprised they didn't even learn how to do like running flaps or like some shuffles or something. So when they see something recognizable, they can at least be like, oh, I got that one, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but just, I mean, go on online. I mean, I always think like YouTube can get a little scary if you go on for instruction because you don't know if you're getting good or bad if you don't know anything about tap. Yeah. So ask around, try to figure out. I mean, I, there's so many resources now. Like go on there and just take a basic tap class. I mean, they can go on Steps in Broadway Dance Center right now and take a absolute beginner tap class because that's the way they're teaching right now. Yeah. You know, so spend the $15 and take the class and learn a couple things, yeah, you know, totally. I started a yeah. super silly basic tap class this week on YouTube. So it's just like yes. shovels and flaps, heels and toes. And yes, you know. it's important though, because you have to learn how to use the ground, the floor and get into the floor and get grounded. And like, if you're a ballet dancer, you're usually very lifted. So like those things are important Mm -hmm. and like, just make sure you have, I mean, I'm sure on your YouTube, you have all your credentials, but just make sure you have it. So people know that that's like legit, you know, like real. Cause there's a bunch of stuff out there that I'm, I watch and I'm like, Ooh, don't, you know, do do your research, take some classes. Um, Make sure they're calling things the right thing yeah. <laughs> so you're not confused. I, know. I will say like everybody calls steps, dip, tap things, different things, but a shuffle's a shuffle and a flap's flap. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like <laughs> if they say those two things different, Next. switch to a different. Next. Next. Exactly. Yeah. So do you see, uh, so we have a traditional tap and rhythm tap, um, like at competition, do you prefer to see one or the other? Or do you like to see people are well-rounded or I don't even know where this question's going, but traditional yeah, no, tap, rhythm like so. tap, where are we at? There? Yeah. So, so like for me, like, or, or I, always, wait, I, I, I guess is traditional tap outdated or is that? Oh, that's a good question. Yes. Um, I don't think traditional tap is ever outdated because if you look at what all the, you know, crazy amazing tappers are doing right now, they always go back to some traditional step in there. There's always, even in rhythm tap, there's a time step. It doesn't necessarily look like with the arms, you know, and things like that, but they're in there. Yeah. Um, I think like, 
I could make some rhythm tappers mad by saying this, but all tap has rhythm, right? So the, the, the difference to me, like a lot of people, when I ask people the difference, they'll be like, oh, one's way more showy than the other. And I'm like, oh no, like, have you seen rhythm tap? That's like the Nicholas brothers and all these people that are like so flash, right? Mm -hmm. Um, just because the arms aren't all together all the time, doesn't mean it's not necessarily flashy. So it's, I think it's a, it's a, a lot of the way that you hold yourself being grounded into the floor. There's so many things. I mean, the, obviously the rhythms are like way more intricate, but then again, you go like, um, and see a show, um, that has rhythm tap in it and it's on Broadway. So what do you call that? I mean, it's rhythm tap, but it's on Broadway. Yeah. So is that Broadway tap now? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like the name of it is just, I love to see, like, I don't remember what they danced to, but I saw this duo that was super like kind of what some people might think was old school and wouldn't want to do it because they want to do all the like cooler stuff now. And it was time steps and it was arms and it was glamorous and it was, you know, it was just beautiful. And it won like top score, not just because I gave it a, you know, the top <laughs> judge gave it one because I asked everyone else, like, did you love that or what? They were like, oh my God, that was so nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I, depending on what city you're in, like, um, like Cincinnati has great tap. Um, and it's super rhythm tap based usually. Um, and they do a lot more, um, I don't even know what to call it now, but it's like contemporary tap yeah. kind of yeah. like lyrically, like, you know, this, they use different like music that's out there now and they dance with their body more, yeah, sure. which is beautiful to watch. And their feet are incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, I mean, it's a preference for me for competition. If I'm going to set a tap piece, I want to make sure that they're using their body and their arms too, because the people that are judging that might not be as familiar as tap can at least then um, have something to look at, you know, and to judge and not have like a quiet response on the, you know, with no nothing because, and throw in very traditional steps so they can go, oh, those flaps or those rolling shuffles or that time step. And then you go into like some hardcore stuff that they might not know the names of. They're like, but ooh, that sounds cool, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I love to mix and have a variety of, you know, classic traditional with rhythm tap, because I think that that's just what tap is. Tap is, tap can be like anything. As long as you're choreographing as a musician to the music, I think that's really important. And not just thinking of what steps you're doing. Like for me, the first step is to literally just listen to the music 10 times Mm -hmm. and hear all the intricacies. And that's what you, I mean, you should do with all styles of dance, but I mean, with tap, it's like, just because your kid knows how to do these rolling shuffles, does that fit really good in the music? Cause you get a lot of that too, that you're like, Oh, what's that? But, um, I don't know. I'm just happy that I'm just happy that anybody takes any kind of tap that will get them to at least know some of their basics to where when they go somewhere else, they can, if they didn't have the best training, they can at least keep going with it. Right. Sure. And I think what's key in tap is at some point having some sort of a teacher or instructor that's passionate about tap, because that's the only way you can get your dancers to also be about it. So if you're just teaching tap because um, there's not another teacher, it happens a lot. There's not another teacher to teach tap and you know how to tap, but you don't love teaching tap. You need to find it in you to figure out a way to start liking it at least enough to give that to them so they don't feel your energy of like 
all right, let's just do our flaps and shuffles and this, you know, because the more you get them excited about it and tell them stories about things, they start loving it more, you know, and just starts growing. But it, it starts with the teacher and then, you know, and the teacher giving someone something traditional and them not being like, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to do what everybody else is doing. Right. No, listen, right. this is really cool. Show them a video clip of someone else doing it, you know, because I mean, and it's and like get them, get the kids that are advanced into heels like right away as soon as possible hmm. um, because they need to tap in heels no matter what style. Like you think that's only Broadway, but like rhythm tappers tap in heels and that's so impressive. It's hard. And it's like, whoa, when you see that, it's super cool. So make them like excited to get, it's like get the kids get excited for their point shoes. Right. Yeah. Have them get excited for like the heel tap. And so, and show them videos of people in heels doing it and they'll, they'll get excited about that. Do you think they should go in heel taps if they're still like beginner intermediates or wait until they're like a really advanced tap dancer? I, I, I mean, at least intermediate, you know, I mean, there are people that are beginners that do it. Um, especially if you're starting late, right. In college, you're kind of put into heels Mm -hmm. like for shows and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so you just kind of have to make it work, Yeah. but they have to really learn the articulation and how to work their feet first. And I think that's easier in flats. Um, but there are some people that learn in heels from not, it's, I think more important about an age than, than like your level. But I wouldn't want, I would want everybody to be able to like feel the ground more and have their weight in the center. Cause you know, your weight goes forward more when you have your heels on. So I like, I don't know when, when I start my dancers in heels, I have them like go back and forth from heels to, to flats within the same class and do diff- the same step so they can feel how you have to do it differently to accomplish the same step mm-hmm. and where your weight changes because then they're learning at the same time how to do it two ways. Yeah. I always remember back on like day one, freshman in college, and you said like, I know your tap shoes are expensive, but remember these are these are your books for your tap class. You don't have yeah. to buy books. You buy tap shoes. You buy nice tap shoes. And mm-hmm. I still have them. I should probably buy a new yeah. pair, but I still have them. <laughs> so what what types of tap shoes nowadays would you recommend to students to get? And should they get them in high school or should they wait to hear if there's a college requirement? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think, okay, so I see like super young kids that are still growing, buying the Miller and Benz. And I'm like, whoa, you're probably going to like outgrow those in six months. But hey, if mom and dad are okay with it and want to give them that, that's cool. I would never request that. I, I, the, um, the most expensive shoe I will ask for, for someone that's like 10 to 12 will be like the Jason Samuel Smith, um, blocks. They're still pricey, but I also have like a $90 pair. You know what I mean? And cause once they're in like a, you know, intermediate level, I expect them to not have jazz taps anymore. Yeah. Right. Cause they're going to start doing toe stands. Right. So they're flopping and that's not good. It'd be like doing point on your ballet shoes. So, um, which is not the best thing for your feet. <laughs> if a parent's willing and wanting to, I'm going to be okay with them buying a fancy shoe. Um, they need to have really strong feet to be in a Miller and Ben. 
because they're really hard to break in, mm-hmm. but you can work and work through them and they last forever, which is amazing. The Capizio yep. 10 K3 years old, my shoes. Ten years know, old. Seriously, they last forever. So um, it's worth the money, you mm-hmm. know, if your foot has stopped growing. Um, but man, if you're a tapper and there are 10 year old tappers that are investing in tap that are tappers, right. It's shoe because it's like there are um 10 year olds that are amazing at violin they don't still just rent the violin or get the cheap violin they get the more expensive now they're not they are going to outgrow it because if they're young they have to go up in size because mm-hmm. you have this little petite little violin when you're little right mm-hmm. so it's the same idea i think of it in college it's your books it's also your instrument the better instrument you have the better sound you're going to make Right. So it's, I don't want to recommend it. Like, I'm not going to make it mandatory for someone to get a very fancy shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do have to have a shoe that's not a jazz tap in a certain, by a certain age, by like 10 or something. And then once they're like advanced, that's when I'm like, go crazy. Like, get, if you want the custom shoe, if you want, you know, whatever color. Like, um, this year I have a student that, is doing a, a like a, a Spanish style tap number. Mm-hmm. And I jokingly told her mom like, oh man, LaDuke is having a sale and it's online this year instead of lining up in New York because of COVID. There's these amazing red tap shoes, the heels. And I really want to get her working in heels because she hasn't been tapping very long, but she's a natural. She's 16. She needs to be in heels. Her mom looked him up and was like, um, and I was like, don't buy him if she's not done growing or, you know, whatever. And she's like, no, she hasn't grown. Her shoe foot hasn't grown in two years. Um, Let me look at the price. We'll decide. And then she messaged me and was like, I went ahead and got him. I'm like, oh my God. So she brought him into the studio like a month ago. And I was like, Sadly, this is sounds weird, but I'm like drooling over them because right. they're so gorgeous. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you know how lucky you are? They're like patent, like red, shiny, gorgeous, and so sturdy and beautiful. And she's like, oh, no, I know. Like, she's not like one to take advantage of it. She gets it. She like knows these shoes are going to be her fancy shoes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, to me, it's like talking to the parent and seeing where the kid's at with, with their, are they going to quit next year? Mm, probably don't, you know, get the most fancy shoe. Come talk to me, you know, talk to someone that knows. I always recommend um, if you don't know a lot about shoes and you're excited about tap and your teachers might not know as much and they're not sure where to send you, Matt at Dancing Fair yeah, is amazing. Yes, out of Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so you can Google the dancingfair.com and then you can get the 1-800 number and you can call them. And all the people that work for him at the front are very knowledgeable and they talk to you about things um, and what you might need. Um, if you want something you know, special, they'll talk to you about that. But if you're like, I don't know what to order. This is what I do. My teacher doesn't know, but sent me here. You know, right. I think that's great to, to have as a resource. There's plenty of people also... Um, Shelby Kaufman in um, New Jersey is a great tapper and she has a YouTube channel where she reviews tap shoes. Oh, so you can go on there and get a review on every tap shoe that's out there. That's, you know, somewhat decent and different prices Hmm. to see what she says. And she says the good and the not so good about every shoe. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a really great resource too. Cause um, I mean, sometimes I, I mean, I always compare it to a point shoe, but it's like, just because your friend got, you know, 
this kind of point shoe doesn't mean it fits your foot. Right. Right. So go, you know, a lot of times it's like, if you're going to order from dancing fair, he's great because he won't put the taps on yet. He'll send them to you to try on. And if they fit well, then you send them back and then he does all the work too. Oh, that's good. So you don't have to like, Oh, I'm not going to get a refund. Right. Mm -hmm. If you get a custom pair, you're going to be stuck with those shoes or trying to sell them to someone else, which is okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you probably won't get the price that you got, right? Mm-hmm. Or that you spent for them. So I I think it's very important to try on shoes first. But if you live in a small town and can't do that, mm-hmm. the best thing is to go through a company that will make sure that you can return if they don't fit. And don't wear them in class once. Like only walk around your house <laughs> in them and then... You can send them back. If you wear them once even, they'll notice that there's like a tiny little scuff on them or something. And and especially depending on the floor you're tapping on and they won't take them back. So just be really careful. Um, but, you know, you wouldn't just until you know your your um, brand and size of a point shoe, you always go for a point shoe fitting. Right. Yeah. Your very first time. Well, People drive an hour. Sometimes you're still in yeah. small town and ordering online. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know people that drive like an hour away sometimes and make it an event or something with the teacher and they go try on point shoes. Right. But they dance, dance stores don't always even have someone that's a a fitter for point shoes either. Right. Right. So it wouldn't really make a difference if you went on your own or not, or if you ordered, but like you said, but you, you can send them back, right. You order, send them back until you find the right one. Sometimes you dance in the wrong one until they break in wrong. And you're like, well, that was the wrong shoe for me. Mm-hmm. Why is it breaking in at like the middle of my toe? Yeah. You know, that's oh, yeah. the wrong shoe. I've had several point shoes like that. Right. And you're like, oh, I guess my toes are too short or something. You know, there's something that that's just not the right shoe for you. Yeah. So taps not that in depth, but it is about feeling good in the shoe. Yeah, I had, a, I had a similar situation. Like I tried on the K360s and they have that seam across the like middle of the foot. And so that mm-hmm. was not good for me because I have bunions and it like really pulled on my wider top of the foot as opposed to the heel because I yeah. have a narrow heel. So I never would have known. Yeah. I just would have been blistered for four years. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like, I guess this is how it's supposed to be. Right. Yeah. You want it to is be like a point shoe. shoe. Miserable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It should fit you. Like, and people are always like, should there be extra room in it? And I'm like, honestly, like, unless you're like growing still and you want to leave that little space in there, it needs to fit you like any other shoe. It needs to not slide around. And if it does slide around, you're going to need to wear extra socks or put the little backer, you know, in the back of the shoe, um, for a while. Um, and you know, some of those shoes have some crazy break in like, like periods and they hurt your feet and you got to figure out ways to not blister too much. And I know like, um, Carrie at OC would always talk about the moleskin, mm-hmm. putting moleskin in your tap shoes in the back. So you don't get the blisters with the Miller and Benz. Yeah. I know um, everybody that whole first semester as a freshman comes in blistered up. With, I know I, we try to tell them preventative, like don't do, you know, and it's, it, it won't happen to me. My feet are tough. And they're like, Oh yeah. And then especially socks or no socks, you know, that's a thing in tap shoes. For me, it's like, I got told that I really should wear socks because I'm breaking down the shoe faster, sure. which is true. Yeah. The sweat and the bacteria and everything is gross and it's breaking it down. 
I hate wearing socks, so I don't. And I just realized I'm going to have to get a new pair faster. Mm -hmm. But just don't, if that's the case, don't send them back to Matt to repair the inside because it's gross. (laughs) It's stinky and it's not a nice shoe because he can repair almost anything. But don't put them through it. Um, and wear the wear a little no-show sock if you don't like socks. But for me, it's just about like feel. I don't know. It's just habit. Feeling the floor, like more of the shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I recommend all my students to wear a little bit of a sock oh. or something. Just because um, at first, when they get a new shoe for blisters and stuff like that. And because I know the parents, I don't want the parents to be like, why is this shoe falling apart so fast? Sorry. Yeah. I know. You can ask what it's all and it won't why. happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we've really covered a lot. Is there anything else you want to mention or you want have a last minute piece of advice? Like I said, you I can't teach confidence. I can only teach you the steps. I can tell you you're wonderful, but you have to start believing it yourself. I think with tap, you just have to like fake. I mean, this is anything. You got to fake a little bit of confidence until you're actually confident. Um, and if you never get confident with tap, you still have to at least don't go in showing all your mistakes. Yeah. Like with tap, we always stop when we mess up mm-hmm. with jazz. Someone's trying to do a triple pirouette. They do a double and fall out of it and they suit new out of it. They don't stop. They keep going. Right. Yeah. So get comfortable enough with tap so you can at least move through your movement and keep going because on stage, we never stop, right? So if you practice and rehearse yourself in a studio doing that, you're going to do it on stage. So I basically just, I want in my class, I just don't allow anybody showing me mistakes. I know. And you know, (laughs) keep pretending it was the best thing you've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. And just keep, the more you do that, the more you'll realize it's really not that big a deal when you make those mistakes. We're all going to miss a sound just leave the space for the sound. You know what I mean? Like keep it, keep the rhythm and musicality. Correct. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause that's what it is. Yeah. It's all rhythm. It's all musicality. Um, but I just, if you go in and take class and start tap at an older age for college, remember that tap is fun. It should be fun. Don't let it be stressful. Let it be something where you can have fun and make music and you'll learn so much faster. The mental block in tap will stop you from learning like crazy. If everyone around you is doing it and you're not, and you go mental like block of everybody's doing it. I'm not just take the rest of the day off because it's not going to work for you. Take a breath and go, I can do this. Maybe not today, maybe next week, Mm -hmm. but I'll take it home and practice. It's all you can do. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Diana. That covers our our tapping episode and tap in college. So thank you for sharing all your experiences and your advice. Great to have you. Sure. It was fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Dance Colleges and Careers. Please join the community shared in the bio to share your journey and help others just like you in their college search. Thank you to all of our amazing guests. You know... It could be your professor next year, so make sure you leave a thumbs up and a raving review. Theme song is created by Matthew Claiborne at Flamingo Sound and Show and edited by the Noltemeyer Girls. Thank you to our sponsors, the Chiropractic Center of Leesburg and Claremont and Pierre Hemp Labs. Good luck on your college search and live without limits.